0: Hello, this is the Buddhism Guide podcast, and I'm Kama Yeshi Rabge. You can find more of my podcasts, as well as blogs, videos, and guided meditation practices at buddhismguide.org. If you wish, you can support future episodes of this podcast by going to patreon.com forward slash buddhismguide. I hope you enjoy this podcast. This episode is called 37 Practices, Part 11. In the last episode, I spoke about the first three of the six parameters. And in this one, I'll talk about the last three. So the first three were for anybody to follow, which was generosity, ethics and patience. And in this one, I'm going to be talking about diligence, meditation, and wisdom. So these three are mainly for people who are on their spiritual path. So verse 28 says, the practice of all the Bodhisattvas is to strive with enthusiastic diligence, the source of all good qualities, when working for the sake of all who live, seeing that even the hearers and the uh, prajaka buddhas who labor for themselves alone, exert themselves as if urgently trying to extinguish fires upon their heads. So just to explain about the the two types here, the hearers and the prajaka buddhas or the self-realizers. In Buddhism, we split people into three different types. I don't know why. Anyway, so we say the hearers are people who don't do any practice themselves. They just come and they listen to teachings and they hope to realize some sort of uh, awakening just by listening to teachings. The prajaka buddhas, or the self-realizers, they don't go to teachings, they read books and they do practice and do it themselves. And the for who we're talking about here, does their practice, they listen to teachings, they do their own practice, and they do it for the sake of all sentient beings. So that is just to explain the hearers, self-realizers, and the bodhisattvas. So going back to the main point of uh, the teaching, which is diligence. So this really can be split into two parts, I think. Diligence and effort. We have to be diligent we have to be watchful of our mind guarding our mind all the time guarding it from whatever it's taking in from its five senses we also have to that's external uh, diligence internal diligence is we have to be watchful of our thoughts our feelings and our emotions guard against them so that is diligence we're guarding against we're being watchful of uh, what we're seeing in the outside world and what we're thinking and feeling on the inside world the way to do this is through mindfulness if we're mindful it means we're focused we're present in the moment so we can see what is in the outside world and we can decide i want to listen to this or i don't want to listen to this i want to see this i don't want to see this and when we're being mindful also we're in touch with what am I feeling at the moment? What are my thoughts, what are my emotions? And then we can decide how we're going to respond to them. So diligence means that we're guarding our mind. The other part of this is effort. And this is where we really, when we're on any type of spiritual path, we have to put in full amount of effort. It's no good just dipping in and out of the spiritual path. You will never change, nothing will ever happen. If you're just one minute, you're putting in effort, then for a few days you can't be bothered. You know, maybe there's a, a family wedding or there's a big event, or maybe it's holiday time, it's Christmas or Diwali, so then I'll be spiritual after that. It doesn't work. You know, we can't just suddenly decide we're on a path and then next minute we're off the path and then we're back on the path. You know, we have to make a commitment. We have to uh, have a commitment that I'm on this path and I'm working on this path and we stay on the path. It doesn't mean that, you know, you can't go to a family wedding, but when you're at the wedding, it means that you're still on the path. You're still being diligent. You're still watching and guarding your mind. You know, big gatherings cause lots of uh, idle talk, lots of gossip. So we have to ensure that, you know, I'm on this path. I'm not going to get involved in all this idle talk and all this gossip. And the same for you can celebrate uh, Diwali and Christmas and whatever. But you have to make sure that you're celebrating it for the right reasons and you stay on the path. If we just dip in and out of being spiritual, it will never work for us. Our mind will never understand, what are we trying to do? One minute, we have been this spiritual person. Next minute, we're out drinking and having fun and uh, gossiping. And then next minute again, we're back on the spiritual path. So putting in the effort means that we really try hard to stay on this chosen path. We have to have a purpose. When we reach, the, when we decide to go on a spiritual path, we have a purpose. We decide what is that purpose. So I want to be on the spiritual path. I want to become a better person. I want to have a calmer mind. I want to be more peaceful. So that's your purpose. So then once you've set that purpose, then you have to put in the effort to get to that goal, to get to reach your purpose. If you don't put in the effort, if the effort is coming and going, you'll never reach where you want to go. You know that if you, when you're at school, or if you're at school, you need to pass an exam. You need to put in the effort of studying. If you don't study, you're not gonna pass uh, the exam. If you don't put in the effort, you most definitely won't pass the exam. The same here. If you're not going to put in any effort, or you're only putting in effort on certain days, you will never reach that goal, that purpose you set yourself. So the first one is diligent. We're diligent about uh, guarding our mind, and we're putting in the effort to reach this goal, this spiritual goal that we've set ourselves. It's so important. It says here that... uh, they act urgently um, as if trying to put out a fire on the top of their heads that's how we have to be it has to be we have to put in a huge amount of effort like we have this fire burning on the top of our head you're not going to waste time are you i mean just think about it this fire is burning on the top of your head are you going to think oh yeah maybe i'll do it tomorrow maybe i'll put the fire out later No we're going to put the fire out straight away and that's the urgency that we should be facing the spiritual path that's the type of effort we need to put in the effort you're going to quickly put in by putting the fire out on your head that's the effort that you have to put into your spiritual path if you don't then you'll never reach it Now, of course, this path is not a straight path and you are going to fall off every now and again and things are going to blow you off track every now and again. That's fine. You know, we're human beings. We make mistakes. But if we, you know, decide, okay, I'm not going to do any practice for a few days because it's holiday time or because I'm busy at work, then that's a conscious effort that you're making not to be on the spiritual path. Then you'll never reach that goal. If you have a conscious effort and something is blowing you off course, okay, it's fine. It happens. But we need to have that 100% effort, that this is my purpose, this is where I want to get to, and I'm going to stay on this path and I'm going to reach that goal. That's the amount of effort that we need to put in. So the next verse, verse 29 says, the practice of all the buddhisattvas is to cultivate concentration, which utterly transcends the four formless absorptions. In the knowledge that the mental afflictions are overcome entirely through penetrating insights suffused with stable calm. So what we're talking about, there's many long words there. I'm not going to talk about the four formless absorptions that's a more mystical side of meditation and Buddhism. What I want to talk about here is meditation. If we are going to be on the spiritual path, part of that path has to be meditation. There can be no choice in that. We can't just say we're on a spiritual path and do no meditation because it means we're not looking inward. We're not training our mind to do anything different. Meditation is about training our mind to have single pointed awareness of one object. So if it's your breath, then when you're meditating, you're focusing 100% on your breath. You're teaching your mind to stay focused on one thing. At the moment, our mind is heavily distracted. All the time, something happens, we look over here, we hear something, people say something. Our mind is jumping around, just like you see a frog jumping all over the place. Our mind is exactly the same. Our mind is forever jumping this way, that way. So when the mind is like that, it can't be calm. It can't be stable. It can't be focused, because it's moving around too much. So we need to train our mind just to be 100% focused on one thing at a time. The only way we can do that is through meditation. And through meditation, if you're doing anapanasati meditation, the meditation on uh, watching the breath, then that should be our whole focus. We're watching the breath, we get distracted, we come back, we're watching the breath. From that, your mind will learn how to focus on one thing. Once you've learned how to focus on one thing, then you can take it off the meditation cushion. You can take it out into your daily life. Part of being on this spiritual path has to be that whatever you're learning, whatever changes you're making, has to go out into your daily life, else there's no point. If on the meditation cushion, you're calm, you're relaxed, you're patient, and then you go outside, And you start driving and start shouting at people and getting annoyed with people then what's the point what is the point of sitting on the meditation cushion what's the point of going through that practice if you're not taking it out into your daily life so whatever you learn on the spiritual path whatever you learn on your journey has to be taken outside So what we're learning in meditation is to focus on one thing. So when we go outside, now we can focus on one thing. I'm driving, I'm focused on that. I'm eating, I'm focused on that. I'm at work, I'm focused on that. We can only learn that focus through meditation. But once you learn that focus, it means a lot of your mind can calm down. Because now it's because you're jumping around like this frog The mind is just working full speed the whole time. You're putting it under a huge amount of pressure. So by learning to focus on one thing through meditation, we're able to calm that mind down. It means that we're not wasting so much energy. A lot of our bodily energy goes on the mind. So if we're calm, then less energy goes on the mind and you have more energy in your body. So it means at the end of the day, you're not so worn out. You're not so tired. You have energy to spare. But at the moment, we're fully burning that energy just by being distracted the whole time. So the, the point of meditation is to train the mind just to stay on one thing. But to do that, we have to do it every day. If you're going to do it every now and again or just on religious holidays or just when at the weekend your mind will never know what are you trying to teach me what what do you want me to do it's like when you have a little puppy and you try to teach it to sit if you only tell it to sit every tuesday it is never going to learn to sit it will never know what you want it to do our mind is exactly the same if you do it every now and again it won't get it He doesn't know, what are you trying to teach me to do? What are you trying to train me in? If you do it every day, then the mind will get it. It'll become a habit. You'll be able to meditate. And I'm not talking about doing one hour a day. I'm talking about doing, starting off five minutes, build to 10 minutes, doing no more than 20 minutes. It's fine. The length of time doesn't matter. What really matters is that we do it every day. That's how you train your mind. And once you've trained it, once it can focus on one thing, then that focus you can take anywhere. And you can use that focus anywhere. And when you learn that ability to focus in meditation, it means that you can then analyze things. You can then, in your meditation practice, you can look at important things. You can look and dissect impermanence, emptiness, attachment, You can look at yourself. You can look at why do I act in this way? Why do I react to those situations? Why do I get emotional now? If we have single pointed focus, we can stay on that and we can dissect it, we can look at it, we can get to the root of what's causing us to be, to act the way we act. But we can only get that through learning how to do meditation so meditation is so important it's not a religious thing it's not about trying to become a Buddha or something it's about training your mind to focus on one thing at a time so meditation is not just a little part of the spiritual path It's a big part of the path. It's going to help you along the path. It's really impossible to go along that path without doing meditation. And verse 30 says, the practice of all the Bodhisattvas is to cultivate wisdom beyond the three conceptual spheres, alongside skillful means. Since it is not possible to attain the perfect level of awakening, through the other five parameters alone, in wisdom's absence. We can't um, become awakened by just doing the five parameters without wisdom. It's impossible. We need all six. We need generosity. We need to have good ethics, good boundaries. We need to have patience. We need to have diligence and effort. We need to meditate. And all of those put together, we need to have wisdom. So wisdom, this is uh, a very difficult one because wisdom means that we fully understand the way the world is. So it means we fully understand impermanence, not intellectually. We understand it on a wisdom level. So just to understand it is just knowledge. And knowledge is second-hand. Knowledge is something who's told, somebody has told you, something you've read, something you've learned. That's knowledge. We need to take that knowledge and we need to turn it into wisdom, which means we need to make that part of our life. We need to understand it as part of our life. It needs to become a part of who we are, not just stay with knowledge, not an intellectual exercise. It has to become who you are. So we have to understand impermanence. Everything is impermanent. By understanding it, then we don't get attached. We won't cause ourselves so much mental suffering. We have to understand causes and conditions, that things happen because of a cause. Things don't just happen from magic or happen from some god or from superior being. Things happen because of causes. And when there's a cause, there's an effect. So whatever action you do, there's going to be a consequence of that action. So we need to understand that. The way the world works is through cause and effect. It's not through destiny. It's not through God. It's not through karma. It's through causes and conditions. And everything you do, whatever action you do, will have a consequence. So we need to understand that. And really, we need to understand emptiness, and this is the difficult one. So, one difficulty comes with the word, the English word emptiness. It's probably the wrong word because the word that uh, is used is uh, sunyata. It's been translated into emptiness, and we all have our ideas of empty that if there's nothing in our glass, then the glass is empty. We're not talking about that. We're stuck with this word, so we'll need to use this word. So emptiness means that nothing has its own self-essence. Everything comes together f- through different things. So everything has is compounded. Everything is made up of two or more things. There is nothing in this world that is made up of one thing. Because if it was made of one thing, it would never change which means it would be permanent. So whatever it is, it would stay that way. But there is nothing in the world like that. There is nothing in this world that has just one thing that doesn't change, that is permanent. I mean, you know, I would say to you, think about this. Think about how many different things there are in the world and try to think of something that is permanent. So somebody said to me the other day, sent me a message saying that they'd heard, they'd listened to my other podcasts about impermanence and everything. And they said that uh, they found two things. One was matter, like energy, and one was water. But it's wrong. If you look at water, put it in the fridge, what does it come? Ice. Okay, the basis is water, but it's changed. It was something you could put your hand in. Now it's solid. You can't put your hand in. Put that water in a kettle and boil it. And what do you get? Steam. Water is not permanent. Water is changing. Sometimes water is on the ground. The sun dries it up. It goes up. It moves somewhere else. It rains down. Water is not permanent. And as for matter or energy, then of course... It can't be destroyed, I understand that, but it can be dispersed. We are energy. When we die, our energy disperses. It'll go somewhere else. It'll form in something else. So it changes. So those two are not good examples. And actually, as far as I know, there is no example that is a good example. They're looking for the, the God particle now because they think that this one particle made up the whole universe, and they have to have a big machine to try to see this God particle. Later on, maybe they'll find that God particle. But later on, when they have a bigger and better machine, they'll see that that particle is also made up of other particles. We will never get to the point where there's one thing. So emptiness means that. Things are emptier of their own self essence, their own self nature. Look at a car. So we see this car, we know what a car looks like. It's a label, car. If we take that car apart and we put every single piece of that car all over the floor, is it a car now? No, now it's just bits. When you put all those bits together, we call it a car. We label it a car. But there is no car in there. There's no essence of car in there. It is just a label. It is empty of car. That's what we mean by emptiness. That emptiness means there is nothing that is one single thing everything is compounded everything is made up of two or more things which means if they're made up of two or more things they will last for a certain time and then they will disintegrate they will die they will change so this is what emptiness is about and we're not it's not said that about emptiness to make people think that there's nothing in the world I mean so some people come into Buddhism just read one or two bits read about all life is suffering and then read about everything is empty and then think oh my god what is this what is buddhism about we're all suffering and there is nothing everything is empty what's the point i might as well kill myself people think that because they misunderstand when we talk about everything in life is causing suffering it's so you can change so you can see that the way you live your life is causing suffering so change your life When we talk about emptiness, we're not trying to say there's nothing. I mean, look around you. You can see things, but they don't have one single essence. The car doesn't have a car. A car is just a label. A cup is just a cup. A chair is just a chair. It is made up of different things, which means then, why are we holding on to it? Why are we getting attached to it? when there's nothing there to get attached to it's empty of its own nature it will only last a certain time and then it will change so what are you trying to hold on to in wisdom we have to understand the way the world really is that it is impermanent most of our emotional suffering is caused by ourselves, by not understanding the way the world is Things come into being through causes and conditions. Things do not just appear. If things just appeared, you'd be walking down the road and all of a sudden an elephant would just be there. If you plant a rice seed, you're gonna get rice. You're not gonna get a banana tree. So things come into being through causes and effects. We have to understand that. We have to understand that things are empty of their own true nature. Things are made up of more than two, two or more things. If we can understand that, we begin to have wisdom. We begin to see the way the world really is and not see it the way we want it to be or the way we think it is. Wisdom is a very difficult thing. And, you know, talking about emptiness and wisdom, I mean, it's a whole teaching. In the Perfections, there's a whole chapter on emptiness and it is taught in many monasteries over one year so what i've said here is just a little bit don't get confused by emptiness don't think it means nothing it doesn't mean nothing this is the end of this podcast but don't forget you can find more of my podcasts at buddhismguide.org Thank you so much for listening, and until the next time, bye.